Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll honor Talk Like a Pirate Day with a segment about pirate language, arg, and then we'll talk about when you need a comma before the word because and about the Devonshire. Most of us only think of Ahoy There, Matey and Me Hearties once a year on International Talk Like a Pirate Day, a day when landlubbers can joke about walking the plank and being scalawags with abandon. But for linguists, the allure of pirate language and what it reveals about language and social life on the high seas is a year-round fascination. Although the average person's idea of how pirates spoke is generally limited to a random R and yar, true pirate talk likely began in earnest in the late 1700s and early 1800s, a period known as the Golden Age of Piracy. Privateering and pirate ships were crewed by sailors from around the world, but the majority spoke a hybridized version of English known as Maritime Pigeon English. This variety was a contact English, or lingua franca, strongly influenced by European traders' contact with West African languages and the multicultural diversity found on board slaving and trading ships. In the 17th century, certain coastal ports became known as pirate nests, offering safe harbor to those who felt marauding and pillaging made for a better living than the more legal nautical gigs. According to historian Mark Hanna, author of Pirate Nests and the Rise of the British Empire, one well-known pirate nest was in what's referred to as the West Country in southwestern England, an area that includes counties such as Devon, Bristol, Dorset, and Cornwall. This area had a long maritime history and also happened to be where many British sailors hailed from, including a fair number who turned to piracy. For instance, West County native Sir Francis Drake, a decorated sailor with a side hustle as a pirate and an illegal slave trader, is a perfect example of how little difference there could often be. The famous pirate Blackbeard was also rumored to have been born in Bristol. As a result, some romanticizing about pirate life and language developed within this region based on its pirate proclivities. So when West Country native Robert Newton was tapped by Disney to play Long John Silver in the screen adaptation of Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, he played up the iconic features of the West Country accent in portraying the character. Features like R, which in West Country lingo means yes, and the merger of the sounds I as in tie and oi as in toy, so that toy em up involves ropes rather than Lego bricks, made for a pirate accent to remember. Newton's interpretation, rather than any real knowledge of what pirates actually sounded like, appears to have most influenced our notions of pirate talk, and is probably why we think of pirates sounding like we do. 
But if it makes you feel better, most of the terms we associate with pirates, things like shiver me timbers and me hearties, are indeed 18th century nautical terms. Though back in that time, they were used by anyone who happened to make a life or a living on a coast, not just pirates. Avast me hearties, that's faux pirate for heads up friends. Avast me hearties, there were pirates from many different language backgrounds, and they most likely spoke differently from the popular conception we have today. In fact, other features we think of as pirate hint at the more diverse linguistic history. For example, the invariant B form we recognize from pirate speak, with B replacing is, as in he be a scallywag, is a feature we find in Irish English. It turns out a good many Irishmen also made up the ranks of sailors and buccaneers, maybe bringing with them their somewhat unusual use of B. We also hear this B in a number of Caribbean Englishes and in African American varieties of English. This suggests that the invariant B might have been frequent in the maritime English that served as a lingua franca for linguistically diverse immigrants and slaves, influencing Caribbean and early African-influenced American language varieties via the many slaves, traders, and pirates who came to Caribbean and American ports. And the Caribbean islands weren't just ports of call. They were also spots where smart pirates tended to winter or retire. Two famous pirates, Sam Lord and Steve Bonnet, called Barbados home, and Blackbeard was also a frequent visitor. Maybe not surprising given its popularity as a port for British and Irish immigrants and pirates, phonetician John Wells suggests the Barbadian accent is reminiscent of pirate talk in his book Accents of English. As the saying goes, dead men tell no tales, nor do they help us much with figuring out what real pirates might have sounded like, especially since there weren't a lot of pirate recordings made back in the day. But based on the history of who was sailing the high seas, it's a good bet they sounded a lot more multicultural than old Long John Silver would have us believe. That segment was written by Valerie Fridland, a professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada in Reno, and the author of a forthcoming book on all the speech habits we love to hate. She's also a language expert for Psychology Today, where she writes a monthly blog, Language in the Wild. You can find her at ValerieFridland.com or on Twitter as FridlandValerie. A reader named J.C. asked when he needs a comma before the word because. He wondered about this exchange. What did you like about camp? I liked swimming and hiking because they were fun. Does he need a comma before because they were fun? The short answer is no. It's unusual to put a comma before because. You only do it when you need the comma to prevent confusion because your sentence could have two meanings. The Chicago Manual of Style has an excellent entry on this topic in its Q&A section online. It gives this example. He didn't run because he was afraid. Without a comma, you don't know whether the writer means that the reason the man didn't run was that he was afraid, or whether the writer means there was some different reason the man ran. If you put a comma before because, he didn't run, comma, because he was afraid. It's clear that the part after the comma is extra information, the reason the man didn't run, because he was afraid. 
If you leave out the comma, you should probably add clarifying information to the end of the sentence. For example, you could write, He didn't run because he was afraid. He ran because the fire made his hiding place too hot. You can imagine other sentences in which because may be ambiguous. She didn't want to cook because it was her birthday. Does she want to have a break from cooking on her birthday? Or does she want to cook for some other reason? She didn't want to cook because it was her birthday. She wanted to cook because she likes her own cooking better than restaurant food. Often a sentence that needs a comma before because will start with a negative statement like both our previous examples. He didn't run and she didn't want to cook. But sometimes a positive sentence needs a comma too. Consider this example. I heard Mary Lou got fired because Bob was gossiping in my dad's store. Well, did Mary Lou get fired because of Bob's gossiping? Or did the writer hear about the firing from Bob's gossiping? It's not clear without a comma. If you put a comma before because, it's clear that the writer heard about it from Bob. If you mean the gossiping was the cause of the firing, it's best to reword the sentence to something like, I heard Mary Lou got fired because she couldn't stop Bob from gossiping in my dad's store. But these are the unusual sentences that need a comma before because. More often, you'll have a simple sentence like JC's. I liked swimming and hiking because they were fun. It's unambiguous without the comma, so you don't need one. Finally, I have a funny family act story. Hi, Grammar Girl. I love your podcast, and I wanted to share a family act story which combines regional differences in speech with an inside family joke. When we needed to replace our bathroom toilet, we went to the store and saw various styles, and for some strange reason, they had named the toilets for British cities. So my husband pointed to one and said, I think we should buy this model, so whenever we need to use it, we can announce, I need to go to the Devonshire. So we bought that model and installed it in our back hall bathroom. And he and I started calling that bathroom the Devonshire because it just rolled off the tongue better than the back hall bathroom. So even our three-year-old twins started calling it the Devonshire. And one thing relevant to the story is that we live in South Carolina and we had a babysitter who moved here from Pennsylvania Dutch country. She was flummoxed when she heard us refer to grocery shopping carts as buggies. Because in her mind, a buggy was a horse-drawn carriage used by the Amish. She was also mystified as to why we called winter hats toboggans, because she used that word to refer to a sled. And she thought it was bizarre that we called a pulled pork meal barbecue, because she was accustomed to barbecue referring to an outdoor cookout or the actual grill that you cook with outside. So after a year of babysitting our children, she mentioned our back hall bathroom, and she said that in Pennsylvania, that was referred to as a half bath, and she wondered why Southerners called a half bath a Devonshire. So my husband and I began laughing hysterically, and we eventually stopped laughing long enough to explain the origin of the name and tell her that as far as we know, we are the only family on earth who called a half bath a Devonshire. And although we've since moved to a different house, we still call our bath back hall bathroom, the Devonshire. I hope this gives you a chuckle and thank you so much for your informative and entertaining podcast. Thanks so much. That definitely gave me a chuckle. 
If you want to call with the story of your familect, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sims, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.